Hello, and welcome to episode 32 of Curiosityness. I am the host, Travis DeRose, and this is episode 32. Did I say that? This episode we have on Dan Caper of Dan Has Jokes, and Dan's a stand-up comedian in um, the Baltimore area. And uh, he has a podcast called Dan Has Jokes where he he has other comics on and they kind of like uh, dissect jokes and, you know, try to build upon it and make it better. So it's, it's a pretty cool, interesting podcast. That's how I found him. Um, and this, you know, I have him on here and he just kind of tells me about the whole like behind the scenes, you know, experience for a comic and what it is. So it's pretty interesting if you're at all into comedy and, and stand up. Um, he just kind of talks about his experience of what it's like and, and everything that they kind of have to go through. It's, it's pretty crazy. So you kind of get a new, newfound respect for uh, comics, probably. But um, I think you'll enjoy us. It was fun. Takes us a little bit to get going, um, as it kind of does in all these interviews. But um, once we get into it, it's really fun. So uh, here is the episode with Dan Caper of Dan Has Jokes. And boom, we're going. How you doing, Dan? Doing well. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah. So you had a little bit of a rough time this morning, huh? Yes, had a tire blowout. <laughs> uh, because of course I did, uh, because I needed to be somewhere. So right, that's how it always that's, happens. Yeah. <laughs> so it was good. It didn't blow you off the road or anything, did it? No, I literally it happened at a red light, and I just turned the corner and stopped right there. <laughs> so it, it could have been a lot worse, I suppose. Yeah, I've never had like a full on tire like explosion. I don't know if those really happen anymore. Yeah. I, oh, I've definitely seen a few. Uh, that's the first time I've ever had one like literally blow out on me like that, uh, that I can remember. Uh, but yeah, it's <laughs> no fun. Yeah. How does it, that must just be like, did you run something over or was it just an old tire? I think it's an old tire. I have oh, okay. to get them replaced, uh, which I'll be doing very soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never know. I never know who to trust on when to change my tires. Yeah, I guess guess when they blow out, you then you know for sure. Right. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's a good barometer. If the tire explodes, it might be time to change it. (laughs) Um. Okay. So I found you through your podcast, which is the it's called Dan Has Jokes, right? Yes. Cool. So I mean, just tell me about that, and you know, kind of how that all got started and that stuff. Sure thing. It's uh, the podcast is about joke writing. I do stand up comedy uh, mostly in Baltimore. And, uh, and the, I, I guess I had, I mean, I was up for the idea of doing a podcast for a long time, but I didn't want to just do one without having like an idea for something that I liked. Um, but I guess, uh, I, I'm known in my scene for being uh, a decent joke writer. Um, that's what I've been told. I'm not to toot my own horn or anything. Uh, (laughs) and, uh, and then at some point last year, uh, I would be having a lot of conversations with other comics. A couple of them had asked me to help them with some jokes, which was very flattering to be asked. Um, and and then I got to talk with them about like uh, some basic joke writing. And I got to see one guy like really like jump in, like like step up his game quite a bit. And uh, and then I was like, you know, this would probably be a fun podcast uh, is to just meet with other comics and talk about some new joke ideas that we're working on and try to make them funny. 
And uh, so that basically is the podcast. It's, you know, about an hour long and uh, each episode, it's a different comic and we'll talk for the, the first half is just basically talking about whatever. And then the second half, we work on jokes together and uh, sometimes it goes well. And <laughs> sometimes we can't get to the joke, you know what I mean? But it's usually pretty funny to listen to the chaos and uh, or at least, you know, I, I hope it is. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty much how it started back in July and uh, I've been I've been getting a lot of good feedback for it. Mm-hmm. So I plan to keep doing it. Cool. Right on. Congrats. Yeah, it's, it's a fun show to listen to. And it's like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of just normal, I don't know, civilians or whatever, non-comic people don't even think about that process, like how the joke writing process even even takes place. So like, what's your, how do you kind of write a joke or what's your process for it? So there's no like one specific like process that I use for every time. Uh, a lot of times, I mean, what I think most comics that I know do, and it happens to all of us is, um, uh, basically like, you know, a lot of times you'll just be doing like going about your business and, uh, something just strikes you as funny. Mm -hmm. Uh, like you observe something or you just get this like funny idea. So you write it down and you, you write, you know, you work on it or you talk with other people about it. Um, and that's one way of doing it. And then another way is I, you can like learn these different things that um, like, especially as you get used to writing jokes for the stage, which is kind of, uh, you know, it, it for people who start out stand up, like a lot of people comment on how it's like, you know, it's nothing like, it's not like going to a party and just like telling jokes to your friends or whatever. Like you actually like, there's, <laughs> there, there's all these things that like come into play. Like you have to try to like, uh, yeah, you can't drag it out for too long before you go, like try to get a laugh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so there's these different like uh, exercises that you can do or uh, for just like sitting down and like trying to just write jokes. Um, I'm not an expert at it. Uh, so I'm kind of back and forth with how disciplined I am about it. But uh a lot of times I will just like, if I think of something funny, I write it in my notes app in my phone. Uh, if I can think of a full joke, which happens sometimes I just write the whole thing down and then I'll pretty much try it like that at the next open mic I go to. Um, but, uh, more often than that, I just wind up like sitting with these ideas. And then at a certain point I sit down, uh, at my computer and I, I start like writing them out. Uh, I tend to write out the wording because, um, with telling a joke on stage, um, I guess the, like a good rule of thumb is to try to get to a laugh ever, at least every 18 to 20 seconds. Uh, because I, I don't know why this is the case, but like, yeah, if you, if you, if you drag it out longer than that, uh, it's hard to build a momentum with a set. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that's like one thing It's just trying to get the wording like perfected so that you can get to the punchline, like say everything that you need to say that needs to be there and then take anything out that doesn't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, if you like, can think of funnier words to use or whatever. Um, and, and then a big part of the joke writing is obviously performing it and seeing how it does. And then if it, if it's not as good as you want it to be, you know, you go back to like, all right, how do I make this better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Is that uh, answer your question at all? Or? <laughs> yeah, no, that kind of makes sense. So you're just kind of come up with, you know, a premise or an idea or something just throughout, you know, living your life. 
make yes. a note of it and then you'll go through and and then really kind of you'll almost write out like an exact script on how to say it yeah and different people do this differently so i know uh, a handful of comics who actually a lot of comics have told me that they go on stage for them they go on stage with an idea and they try to work it out while they're performing mm-hmm. um that's just how their brain operates and for me i typically can't do that so i have to have like I have to have the wording in my head before I get on stage. Mm-hmm. And then if it doesn't work, I will just, you know, I'll either get rid of the joke or I'll try to rewrite it. Right. Um, but yeah. And then, you know, even someone like me does that, that when I'm in the moment performing, sometimes, you know, I do change it up and I'm like, Oh, okay. This hit hits a little better. Um, you know, uh, which is also a good reason to record your sets. Uh, every time you perform, it's like uh, a lot of comedians say you should always record because if you improvise something off the top of your head and it goes well, you know, you can go back and hear what you did and use it. Right. Um, which is very fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. That seems like, uh, you know, cause with, um, like at least for sp- giving speeches and stuff, they'll kind of generally, they'll tell you like not to script everything out cause you'll like inevitably forget it you know, and like, and kind of trip yourself up, but that's kind of, that's not really the case for you with, with this, is it? Uh, I think that also depends on the kind of comedy. So a lot of comics telling, and I think, um, storytelling, I think there's probably more flexibility in how you can like tell it as long as you are hitting each punchline and, um, you're not adding, like in a spe- in specifically a comedy context, if you're telling a story, it has to have punchlines in it. You know, if it has like a longer setup with no laughs, uh, then the payoff has to be really good, and it has to like build up to something that's just like laugh, 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 laugh. You know, um, whereas in a regular storytelling context, obviously you wouldn't have to do that because uh, people would just want to hear your story. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully, for me, I do a lot of short jokes and one-liners, so the wording is kind of crucial. Um, so once I find a good wording, I do not mess with it unless I think I can make it funnier. Um, but yeah, for some longer jokes, uh, I guess, yeah, you can, you can be a little flexible. I tend to stick to the wording as much as possible. Um, except for, uh, sometimes I just will like throw comments in there that it's just like a funny way of transitioning or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that stuff just kind of happening, like organically and stuff on stage too. Yeah, and I have, and there's a few things. I mean, the more you perform, you pick up on things that work for you, and it sounds like you're just kind of speaking off the top of your head. But if you've been doing it for a while, it's very uh, premeditated. Mm-hmm. You know, I have books, and some of them are kind of corny and. A lot of times they'll get like really good laughs in one room and in other rooms people will be like, uh, cause it's like too corny. But right. I, so I've just gotten used to saying things like if a joke, like I usually perform pretty well. And if a, and if a certain specific joke does like, gets like a groan or whatever, I'll just be like, yeah, that's stupid. Uh, and, and that usually gets a laugh or, um, if it's towards the end of my set, if a joke like doesn't land, I can be like, yeah, it's okay. I'll be done soon. Uh, and usually like those things get laughs. So it just kind of keeps the momentum going and everybody, everybody performs kind of figures out their own like tricks for making it, you know, like making it through the set. 
mm-hmm. uh, and keeping the energy up. Right. Ideally, ideally, everybody figures that out. Yeah, <laughs> Some hopefully. people do not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are there people who just like, you know, don't care about the laughs? Like they'll just tell like their stories or their jokes and regardless, they'll keep kind of their set the same? Yes. So there are. Yeah, there's a lot to say here. Uh, there's. <laughs> I, so I've been performing for uh, about five years. There's people who I've been seeing do like the same five minutes for forever. And some people like their five minutes is good. Um, some people it's just like, I, I don't know why you do this to yourself. You know what I mean? Um, there are people, uh, one, one thing I, I find myself thinking about a lot when I'm at open mics, if, it, if I'm there for a while is uh, with certain comics. And I don't mean to speak, you know, judgmentally about other other people but it is a a thing you notice when you're thinking about like the inner workings of like how to make a joke work um i with certain people i i will like find myself thinking like where do they want to get a laugh because i i don't think they even know you know what i mean sometimes that happens where you're just like do you is this a joke to you you know what i mean like do you think this is funny where do you expect the audience to laugh because i've heard people go through like nearly an entire set and it's just like I will laugh wherever you want us to, but like, it's just like, I don't even know where, where it's supposed to go, you know? <laughs> um, so I, I mean, some, that, that happens like, you know, people, some people just approach things very differently. Right. Uh, They're like just up there to do their, do their thing. And like, regardless of whether people laugh or whatever, they don't even care. It seems like, right. Yeah. 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 And there is a kind of a, a thing that, most comics seem to be familiar with is is uh, cursing aloud on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. It, well, because it's like a, a thing, like if you, uh, like I can talk about this to another comic and they'll know immediately because everybody has seen this at like different mics where somebody will do a joke and it doesn't get a laugh and people just go, fuck you guys, that was funny, you know? Yes. And, uh, and sometimes people can do it in a way that is funny, you know, that wins the audience back. A lot of times it's just kind of like some people just have this aggression towards the audience and it's just like, well, if it was funny, they would probably be laughing at it. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Uh, but <laughs> I, good... I, I've seen people like get very angry at an audience for not laughing at their <laughs> terrible jokes. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I, <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem wanna, like the you... best move. You want to be on the same side as the audience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting, man. I had no idea about that. And like you talked about how um, uh, like people will kind of tell a long, a longer story. You need kind of something bigger at the end to get a, to get a bigger laugh. But that like, I feel like that's, I almost encounter that in like everyday life too, where people will just tell like long stories and then you know, you're kind of like, there's not even an ending to it. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> That's why I, I personally have a hard time doing stories, uh, for comedy. And I, when I first started, I thought I was going to be a storytelling comic. Mm. Um, and I, I'm trying to work more stories in, but, uh, it's hard for me because a lot of times I don't know, like, it's hard for me to punch them up. Um, and then to get, to like that thing at the end that signals like this is you've been building up to uh now you may all clap or something like that. <laughs> uh yeah, right. just like you know like someone who's really good at it um who's like an easy example is john mulaney um and 
he tells stories that I just kind of am in awe of how he does it. Uh, because with some of his stories, I've heard him, he like goes through a thing that happened and then he goes back and he repeats the entire thing and like dissects it. And I'm just like, how do you, like, it's hard for me to make this story funny the first time, uh, let alone (laughs) going through it twice and making it just as fun. It's like really, uh, impressive to me, but yeah, like, um, it is, it is hard. And I have a couple stories that when they go well, will have like a really strong finish like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when they don't, if they don't really land uh, and it just kind of gets to the end, it's just like, so yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a big investment for it not to go well, huh? Yeah. Um, so like if you, yeah, like a lot of times, like if you have a story and it takes a little bit to get going, that's fine if there's a payoff and um you can like, and, and some people are very good at this, like getting a momentum. And then it's just like punch, 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 punch. And it's like so good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, but like sometimes that is just a challenge. <laughs> yeah, for real. I don't uh, know, like a classic, a classic comedy bit, not that this is a story, but I think about this a lot. Cause I'm a, I'm a diehard fan of this rule of like trying to get a laugh every 18 to 20 seconds at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you get good at that, uh, to try to work yourself down to an average of like every 12 seconds, which, uh, sounds insane. Um, and then when you start doing it, it's super fun. But, uh, I, I, I think most comics should abide by that because it really makes such a difference to like, like it really forces you to, um, to just like think about your wording and then the audience appreciates like getting to laugh that much. There's like, it really makes a difference for the experience of watching a comedy show that it's just like, you know, it's like a release, but it's like to wait so long to laugh at a joke at a comedy show is just torture. Mm -hmm. But then there are exceptions. And so like classic comedy bit from George Carlin is like the seven words you can't say on television. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you listen to that, uh, it takes at least 40 seconds to get to the first laugh and it's a small laugh. And then I think it's at about a minute in where he finally starts doing like the really funny stuff. And then it's just like, and then if you listen to it, it's just like laugh, 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 laugh for like the rest of the bit. And it's just, it's really fun to listen to. Right. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. So are you going, have you done that where you'll kind of go through comics that you admire and, and almost like time them and, and listen to their material? Oh yeah. So like, obvi- like probably the one who gets, um, at least who I associate the most with getting like the most uh, laughs per minute. And that's a, a thing that comes up laughs per minute mm-hmm. uh, sometimes at um, in submitting for festivals or in competitions, you get judged on that. Jeez. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, Jim Gaffigan, if you listen to him, mm-hmm. um, even if you're not into that style of humor, if you listen to him, it's very interesting. You can hear him and he, he gets laughed so quickly when he starts. And then if you, if you listen, you'll just hear like, oh my God, he's just getting a laugh, like every sentence nearly, you know, it's just like really impressive. Yeah. Um, Hannah Gatsby, uh, just did that special Nanette that like a lot of people were talking about because, um, like some people are like, oh, it's not comedy because like, uh, she has this kind of, like she gets very serious at the end. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't know if you've, if you've seen it or not. I haven't seen uh, it, but I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it a lot, but, but yeah. But if you listen, like basically the first half, her she is getting a lot of laughs per minute too, which mm-hmm. I'm like, I mean, like I'm like people can rail against her if they want to, but good luck trying to get that many laughs in your own set, you know, like it's, uh, 
you have to be like it, it takes a lot of work to to do that mm-hmm. so why do you think she did that at the end just because she was what was she talking about just something important to her Oh, she, I, I thought it was really good. She basically, um, uh, what's the word? Not dissect, uh, deconstructs comedy a little bit and art in general Uh and, uh, about her own experience with, um, uh, growing up as a gay person in, uh, in a, in a community that was very anti-gay. And so it's interesting because at the end she, she's talking about how, um, basically how like uh these spaces like comedy spaces and art spaces in general can be very unsafe for and uh but it's interesting because she tells a story in her in the early part that's very funny um about this guy like finding out realizing that she was a woman and having this reaction because she's like kind of butch looking or whatever and um and then at the end she like re- she's explaining like in order to make that story funny i have to leave out certain things and then she retells it it's a very traumatic uh, story and uh yeah it's really interesting and i i don't know why people hated it so much because i'm like this is really good stuff like i mean i'm sorry that it's not all like Whoa, like right. <laughs> we're all having fun like but it was like uh i mean it's i mean there there's a lot of room in comedy for like you know different you know different things like you can do the goofy silly one-liners for an hour and then some people just are really good at making you think, you know, Mm -hmm. um, which I will say I I am not, (laughs) I don't tend to make people think with my comedy as far as I know. Right. So (laughs) what's hopefully thinking he's really funny. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, how long have you been doing comedy and stand up? About five years. I think it'll be five on, uh, February 17th. Okay. Wow. Congrats, man. That's a long time. So how did this all get started? What like compelled you to do this? Oh, so, uh, I want, I wanted to be a comedian pretty much forever. Um, I, I, when I was growing up, my dad, uh, showed us like these old Marx brothers movies. Um, and, uh, that was like my first, I mean, I watched like funny stuff for like kids and stuff, but uh, I don't know if you're how familiar you are with the Marx Brothers. Uh, I was enamored with Groucho Marx um, just because he like had all these one liners and would just like not not like take anyone seriously, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, still one of my favorite movies is um, A Night at the Opera. And it basically is just it builds up to this thing where it's like him and we're like the Marx Brothers basically just trashing an opera. And mm-hmm. it's so much fun to watch because it's like all these uptight rich people and then uh, and they just don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so I really like that. And uh, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, getting over a cold. Um, and then, uh, you know, I got, I got really into Seinfeld when I was in, I think middle school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, st- I think I started learning about stand-up comedy around that time. Um, a lot of the early comedians or like a lot, a lot of comedians I watched early on have turned out not to be so great. Like Bill Cosby, we were, we like watched, uh, he had this one special that we watched a lot and, uh, it was very influential on me. And I also, so I grew up in a, uh, a conservative Christian household. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of the first comedians I really got into were Christian comedians. Um, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. One was, uh, probably the most famous Christian comedian. If he's 
famous. I don't know. Uh, Mark Lowry. And uh, we actually saw him perform on Broadway. And uh, yeah. And so that was like, I was like, oh, I want to do this, you know. Um, but uh, then, yeah, when I got older, there's like different comedy influences. I was a big fan of Mystery Science Theater uh, 3000 or just like the riffing on movies and things. And, um, I got really into one liner comics like Mitch Hedberg and Stephen Wright, Dimitri Martin. Mm -hmm. Um, so the Christian upbringing is relevant because I didn't really feel like I was allowed to do like pursue stand-up comedy. Um, and I don't recall anybody ever telling me not to do it. I just kind of didn't feel like I remember talking with a friend of mine in high school about like, I really want to do this. Uh, and then I just never felt like I could pursue it. Um, so I, I, I actually pursued a career. Sorry. (coughs) Pardon me. No worries. I, uh, I pursued a career, uh, working in the church for about a decade and, uh, Yeah, I worked as a youth pastor. Uh, I was a camp director at a Christian camp, and and I attended a seminary. I graduated from a seminary like six months before I started performing, Uh, and then basically had this whole thing where I kind of lost my faith. And after that all happened, which was like kind of a big deal. um, Yeah, yeah. I wound up moving to Baltimore. It was my first time ever living in any city. And I, I went through like sort of a self-care recovery phase. Uh-huh. But <coughs> I'm sorry. Hang on one sec. Oh, no worries. <coughs> I have been getting over being sick, but I haven't been coughing this much until today. That's all right. Uh, yeah, let me just blow my nose. This is good for the podcast. This is, uh... <laughs> <laughs> right. This is good stuff. But uh, uh, I remember when I was like, basically, after I started telling people, yeah, I'm not going to be a pastor or whatever, I remember thinking like, well, I mean, I'm going to do stand up now. <laughs> like, you know, uh, I'm, I've always wanted to. So I started writing jokes about a year before I started performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had like a whole file of them by the time I started performing. And uh, yeah, I basically was in Baltimore for like six months, just sort of playing low and playing video games and like getting my head back. And, um, and then I started going to open mics and I did it really as a hobby for the first year and a half. Mm-hmm. And I came close to quitting cause I felt like I wasn't really that good at it. And then, uh, so one of my last things was going to be this big, this big show at an arts festival that they do in Baltimore every year called artscape. Mm-hmm. And, that was one of the best performing experiences I'd had. And uh, after that, I was like, oh, man, no, I, I want to do this for real. Right. Uh, so after that, I started, like, really putting a lot more time and work into it. And uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing ever since. Wow, sweet, man. Yeah, that's like I've done – I've never done stand-up. I don't really have any desire to, but I've done uh, improv. And that's like okay, – yeah. Yeah, to me, that's like super, it's pretty easy because there's no like preparation, there's no joke writing or anything like that. You really just like show up and then, you know, just do some stuff. And if, you know, if it's kind of, if it works out a little bit, people are pretty forgiving because they know it's, you know, it's all improvised. So it's easy to get like laughs and get like, tell a story and get people on your side. So that was, I like that, but I never 
like really enjoyed the actual process of it, like being on stage. I'd never, and like the whole, I always felt a, like a little bit, like a lot of anxiety sort of, but not, I don't know, anxiety is not the right word, but I just didn't super enjoy being on stage. I more enjoyed like being done with it and being like, yeah, yes. that was, that was good. <laughs> you know, do you have that feeling? Uh, no, I mean, I love performing, but, uh, I I've done a little bit of improv. I took a couple of classes cause I was like, I want to try all the comedy stuff. Um, I did a couple of classes and we did a couple of showcases and they were a lot of fun. And, uh, but then it was just too much of a commitment to try to do that and stand up. Yes. But yeah, improv is a, it's sort of a different animal because you have people up there with you and there are moments in an improv show where you can get completely lost and then it's fine because there's somebody else there to try to help you get out of it. You know what I mean? That's true. <coughs> Stand up. If you get lost up there, man, you that. I mean, the experience of that is not fun, but but going through that will like, you know, it it teaches you how to withstand that if you subject yourself to it a lot. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and so like, I would say, I've said this to a lot of people, but like, if you don't want, I, I wouldn't wish stand up on anybody who didn't want to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. And so like, if people are like, ah, I'm not really into, it, I'm like, you do not want to do this. Trust me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like the people who do it, who want to do it, love it. You know, like, yeah. um, like, you yeah, like, I mean, sometimes you bomb and it sucks. Um, you get used to bombing cause that's just part of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you, like the more you do it, you learn that bombing can actually be very useful um, because you you're like, all right, I you, like, like bombing. You learn like, OK, like it's not just like learning that certain jokes don't work, but you're also learning what you can get away with and what you can't um, not just with what you say, but with how you act and how you deliver things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember like. Uh, a lot of comics, comics who are taking it seriously anyway, they're always working on something when they go up at a mic. Uh, and if it's not the material, it'll be like, all right, I'm going to just try doing more with my face in this. Like, you know what I mean? See how that goes. Or I'm going to try like pausing more. See mm-hmm. like what happens if I pause more? How long can I stretch it out before people turn against me? Um, and so it is very like scientific. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh and and I'm not I'm absolutely not down on improv because it, there's a whole different set of skills that come into play when people get really good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's, it's a very different uh, process. And I, I did a show last year. Uh, it was like this big show where it was like part improv, part stand up, and we were it was like a in a theater, and we were all paid for. It was really nice. And the backstage was so funny because there was me and the other stand-up comic were getting ready, and then the improv team was getting ready. And the way it looked for us getting ready was very different because me and the other stand-up were just very quietly like going over our notes and kind of pacing around. Right. And the improv people were all in a group like, like, like playing <laughs> with each other and ro- like moving things around and like just yes. like because they have to build up a crazy energy so that they can just do anything when they're on stage, mm-hmm. whereas like you know, stand-up comedy, you're just like thinking about like words, you know? Yes. Uh, and uh yeah, it's really it was a very funny contrast. It was like <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm not like, oh, you people are crazy. It's just like, no, you just look completely insane. Like, mm-hmm. like and because I mean it's kind of what you have to do. <laughs> That's, yeah, for real. 
it's like yeah i that's what i liked about it was there was like little to no preparation where you would just go out and do a show and then <laughs> and that was it where like i wouldn't i'm not devoted enough or don't have the the uh desire to like write down a bunch of jokes and, and memorize the the lines and stuff like that as a stand-up would so that's what i liked about improv but yeah you really have to there's a lot of things in there where i feel like it's almost it's more fun to just to do improv and be improv rather than to to watch it you know where it's, it's just more fun for the people doing it than watching it sometimes with some of the games yeah, yeah. you know yeah uh yeah oh and i mean Man, I've seen bad improv. Like I, I've, I always, I always joke that like bad improv is like it, it just involves a lot of like people screaming down, like be like how every scene ends. Uh, but like, no, like I, I think that the thing that I think is so interesting about improv is I feel like almost anybody can do it mm-hmm. and be good at it. And I don't mean that in um in a demeaning way. It's like a lot of people who watch improv without knowing anything about what goes into it will be like, this is amazing. All these people are geniuses, you know? Um, (laughs) And some of them definitely are, but, uh, but having taken the improv class, like almost nobody else in my improv classes were actual comedians. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They were just like, ah, I work in tech and I just wanted to do something different. And it was like quiet people with like boring day jobs. And some of them were like the funniest like coming up with the funniest stuff that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just amazing to watch them on stage, like do a performance and just like, you should do this. <laughs> You're good at it. Yeah. A lot of people just yeah. use it as like in a, a release to like act in a way that you can't act in society, you know, and right. just be yes. like weird and goofy, which is fun. That's what, that's what it should be for a lot of people. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would be horrified. <laughs> Anytime, yeah, any kind of group activity that's meant to break the ice in like a professional setting is the most uncomfortable thing for me in the world. (laughs) I used to do collections for PayPal and then it was just a miserable job, miserable job. And then we would do these like weekly huddles or maybe it was daily. I don't remember. But one day, one guy, well-meaning, really nice guy was just like, you know, we've decided today before we do our meeting, we're just going to go around and say one thing about ourselves that nobody else knows. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to do this. Yeah, <laughs> and then people just start saying weird stuff about themselves. Uh, I actually got a really good joke out of that experience, but because um, this like crazy person on my team, I, she, she was a trip. I don't know, but her thing was, um, uh, thing that no nobody really knows about me is um, uh, I'm just really good at telling people what animal they look like, and, uh, <laughs> and I was like, I'm gonna speak to her at lunch and find out what animal I look like, <laughs> and, uh, and then she told me I turned it into a bit. She was like, I was like, I like sat down to her at lunch and I was like, hey, so uh, what animal do I look like? And right, she was yeah. like, I don't want to tell you because uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> And I was like, geez, I have to tell me what I I'm like, what animal do I look like? She's like, well, I just think you look like a baby koala. And I was like, all right. <laughs> and uh, I like turned that into a joke and it, <laughs> it went over pretty well. <laughs> that's nice, man. I mean, that's not so bad. A baby koala could be worse. I know. Like, I, yeah, it could have. I guess it could have. You look like a, 
<laughs> I don't know, one of those like really ugly like salamanders that like right. blinks out giant or something. An unborn sloth or something. <laughs> blobfish. Right. Really blobfish. <laughs> um, so do you think, you know, you talked about kind of like the science of, you know, stand up and, and joke writing and stuff where you just kind of come up with an idea and, you know, write it down, go kind of test it out at an open mic night, record yourself, and then just kind of continually do that and rework stuff. Do you think it's possible for like, if somebody has the desire to, to be a stand up, like if they just kind of work on it enough and, and devote enough time that anybody can become like fairly successful at it? Or do you think it's something that's almost like you either have it or you don't kind of thing? Uh, I think most people, I think it can be learned for most people. Uh-huh. I, I think like with any, as with anything, there are some people where I'm just like, I feel like you're never going to get it. You know what I mean? Um, and they might even put so much work into it and, mm-hmm. you know, you just like, ah, oh, find something that you're good at, you know? Uh, right. but no, like, but I don't want to discourage anyone from trying it because, uh, it, I, it can be learned. It is like a learned thing. If you're like willing to, um, it, it is the hardest thing. Like stand up involves so much of your ego. And so it's like so much of like, here's what I think is funny. And then it's just a process of having your ego just completely destroyed, uh, night after night. And <laughs> if you, it is cause it's like, I thought this was funny. Everybody thinks it's stupid. Uh, or like, <laughs> um, I thought this was relatable. Now everybody thinks I'm weird. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, it's just, it's part of the process, but like you have to, like, if you're willing to put yourself through that, um, it's almost like a natural selection where you're just like figuring out like, okay, this thing needs to die. This thing needs to die. Here's a thing that got a laugh. Why did it get a laugh? And how can I keep doing more? And so you're like really like encouraging, like, you know, like these things seem to get laughs. So let me keep doing more of that. And then it's like, you make more mistakes and you learn more lessons and it's just a very, very long process. And, um, at a certain point, and it's always like, I I think for a lot of people, it's very, uh, it happens unexpectedly. You just really start to figure out like, Oh, I, I get more laughs when I do stuff like this. Um, I've learned that I can't really get away with dark humor, even, even in a show where other people are doing dark humor very well. And it's not because the jokes aren't funny, um, which I know because if I can do a set, like a short set with just all dark jokes, and that'll be fine. Um, but my regular stand-up persona is of this like doofy white guy. And if I'm, I'll, I've, this happened to me so many times where I'll have it, be having a really good set and everything is great. And then I throw out one kind of darker joke and the audience is just like, no. Hmm. <laughs> oh man we don't we don't like when you say that <laughs> like you know it's like uh so like that's the thing that i've been learning um and i've learned you know other things about like what i can and can't get away with and it's just yeah i think as long as people are willing that's why i say i wouldn't wish stand up on anyone who doesn't want to do it as long as you're if you are interested in it as long as you're willing to put yourself through that process which is a very like grueling experience um, the, the rewards are very, uh, satisfying because you learn your own particular like style of funny and, 
Uh, and then the more you learn it and get comfortable with it, the better you get at it. And uh, it's very exciting to see yourself get better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, as it probably is with anything, but it's just, a, it's a, for me been a very satisfying experience. Um, and I remember like when I first started to, to consistently have good performances, there was like something like, Oh, okay. Like mm-hmm. this is really nice. It's like, uh, like a lot of work has been paying off, you know? Um, but I had to go through this process of like, where I would try these different, like, all right, tonight I'm going to perform. I'm going to be extremely low energy and see how that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and tonight I'm going to be manic and like, like say, you know, like just move all over the stage and see what happens. Um, what happens if I scream, you know, like, uh, or I wore a suit for about a year. I'm like, what if I wear a suit? I like committed to wearing a suit to like everything. Uh-huh. And then I finally stopped and I was like, yep, didn't need to wear a suit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, interesting. Do you find yourself like trying to like mimic other people or other comics or is it better to just kind of avoid that stuff so you don't like inherently like copy somebody sort of? Uh, well, so I think when you first start performing, it depends on uh, like one thing that it depends on is what your level of comfort with public speaking is already mm-hmm. because because I had been doing uh church ministry stuff for about a decade, probably over a decade, because I started when I was in high school. Um, I had been doing public speaking for over a decade by the time I started Mm stand-up. So I was not uncomfortable with being on stage in front of people. I was uncomfortable with like, you know, there's no lesson or anything. You just are trying to make people laugh. That was like a new thing. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, they have very intense stage fright. And so uh, for those people, the advice that um, they are often given, which I agree with is don't even worry about being funny when you first start, just get comfortable with being on stage mm-hmm. and do not worry about people not laughing at you because like that'll, you know, like get comfortable with talking, uh, go on stage with things prepared, um, learn how to hold the microphone, all that basic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when you're more comfortable, <clears throat> start digging into, all right, how do I be funny? And I think it's inevitable that people will imitate, um, the people who they think are like really funny, mm-hmm. um, whose humor has impacted them the most. Um, when I, when I first started trying to do storytelling, I was, uh, listening to a lot of John Mulaney and, uh, Brian Regan. Um, and I, <clears throat> I, it's not like I was trying to copy the style. It's just, that's what I had in my head when I like, that's what I kind of pictured as what it would look like when I was performing. Mm-hmm. And of course it didn't look anything like that. Right. Um, and, uh, but you do like, it, it takes a while. And then I think you just do naturally figure out your voice. Um, uh, so a friend of mine, who's also a comic just found this old video of me on YouTube from like 2015 uh, at this competition at a comedy club. And so I, it was like a minute long video. And so, uh, I, I was sitting with her while she was watching it. And then, uh, she was like, yeah, it's just weird. Cause it doesn't really sound like you. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I mean, it wasn't like a bad video. It's like the jokes are fine, but it's, I, I was talking much differently than, than I talk on stage now, which is a very, it took a lot of work for me to figure out how to talk. Like what was, my style going to sound like, Mm -hmm. Uh, I think people, I think it's okay to emulate 
other comedians until you find out what works for you. Right. Uh, just don't don't emulate Jim Carrey because my God, that's like <laughs> very annoying. I've seen people. I've seen like one person who just threw herself into that, and it was like, holy shit, this is this is very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> Wow. I shouldn't discourage people. Like, no, people should throw themselves into whatever crazy stuff they want to throw out on stage and see if they can make it work. But yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what do you think? That's just like something that nobody can really em- emulate or copy. I just, uh, you know, nobody should. Nobody should, right? <laughs> that's, that's my own bias. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So um, you mentioned like Christian comedians. Like, what. What is that? Is that like the equivalent of like Christian rock to rock? Uh, it's so, uh, how do you explain this? Like the, the, the guy who I, I left Mark Lowry, uh, his performance would be a lot. He was part of a vocal band, like a Southern, like gospel vocal band. Uh-huh. And so his comedy would be punctuated with songs and then as with many forms of Christian entertainment, there was usually some kind of serious message at the end. Right. Uh, which, again, like, obviously, like, I've seen uh, non-Christian comedians do that. But um, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> you know, I've definitely <laughs> grown away from that. Okay. Uh, not, like, when I look back at it, I'm like, you know, I mean, I did think this was funny when I was in middle school. Um <laughs> So is it just like uh, more like family friendly kind of comedy stuff like that? Yes. So, but it's just like, also, I mean, the other thing, I mean, as like comedy gets so dated quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, p- part of it is like, if you went back to those old performances, it's just like jokes that just like, Oh my gosh, these are so hacky. <laughs> um, I wish I could think, Oh, I was talking about like, uh, he had a bit about like having a, to be in the exit row on an airplane and like, you know, I would love to be on a burning airplane while people are jumping out. Like, thank you for flying Delta, you know? Um, like, stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Wow. So you moved away from that. So what is your, like, what are your, like, what's, what's your day look like now? Like how often are you doing stand up? How long's your sets? That kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I do have a day job. I don't do stand up for a living. So I, I have like a, it's basically just an office job, um, Monday to Friday business hours. But, uh, I've been in the past year, uh, I've been getting like, things have been like picking up. I've actually been starting to do a lot more paid shows, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and then I find myself like going out, um, I'd say most nights a week now, to perform. Although I have to, I have to make time to do the podcast recording. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I've taken a break from my web series, but I'm trying to get myself back into it. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, that's also this, you know, time consuming process. Um, but I, 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 I wind up performing, I think I wind up performing like four or five times a week. Um, yeah. Uh, and, uh, for open mics and showcases, like sets are usually like five to seven minutes, um, five minutes or maybe some are four minutes. Um, and then I've been doing a lot more like feature and headliner sets. So those are obviously longer, 
Um, and I just did a, I think it was a 35 minute set in Virginia. Um, yeah, I've done an hour before. Um, that's the longest I've ever done. I I think that's probably the longest I should ever do. Um, (laughs) I don't know that like an hour and a half of comedy is like, (laughs) that's a lot. I, I see requests come in. Like I, I've, there's different, um, websites and things where you can have accounts where, you know, people are just basically trying to hire comedians for gigs Mm -hmm. and, uh, you can like, you know, put yourself out there, but some of the weirdest gig postings come in and there are people like who want like a comedian in the afternoon for two hours. And it's just like, no, you don't like, you don't want a comedian. Uh, (laughs) you want to bring four comedians in and do it? Like, yeah. Like you, do a two-hour show you do not want to listen to one person talk for two hours uh, <laughs> there was one uh this was on gig salad it's one of the websites uh and there was a i've, I've gotten one gig through there which was really fun it was like a, a birthday party but um most of the gigs i've seen one of them was really weird it was like for, it was posted a year in advance, which is insane. Wow. Um, it was like, this is for next January. And like, oh, it, like January of like literally a year from now. Um, and it was Jesus. for some uh, event. It was like uh, a police officer's event or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they wanted an hour. They wanted it specifically on the topic of Jack the Ripper and Victorian England. And then they wanted it to be clean. And then they said, part of it was like, we prefer if you have like an album that we can check out first. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) who do you think is going to have a clean hour specifically on Jack the Ripper? And like, what, what kind of, what is that's That's just incredible. I I want to sign up for it just to (laughs) like, (laughs) just to see how weird it would be. <laughs> but Man. Uh, yeah, that's, I great. don't know. So what did you have? Do you have any like kind of horror gigs like that, that you've done? Oh yes. Uh, let's see. What would be a good one? This is one I should have thought. Do you edit out pauses by the way? <laughs> I leave it. It's fine. Okay. I don't want to leave like a long, long pause of like, uh, like worst shows I've ever done. <laughs> That's tough, man. I I'm trying to think of like the worst I've ever bombed. Well, th- yeah, okay. So it's not that it was like a bad gig. It was just the room didn't like me for some reason. Um, <laughs> and it's like at this point, I was I, I was good good enough that I was like fine. You know what I mean? I was not mm-hmm. like at the top of my game. I'm not saying I'm at the top of my game now. I'm just I was like I was fine. Like I was doing fine. I like, so getting a booking was not a problem. I could like have a good set, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I got booked for this restaurant. It was a show at a restaurant with two other comedians who were both very funny. Um, one was a friend of mine and the headliner was amazing. And I was like, this show is going to be great. And, uh, it sold out the whole audience there. They paid there. They paid to be there for comedy, which is always, you know, a plus Mm-hmm. Rather than when when you're in a bar and you're just like, hey, guess what? A comedy show's starting, and everybody's just like, what? Oh, yeah, like, yeah, um, I can imagine. Yeah, I I did my set. I it was like just like one of the like they just did not like me. They didn't like anything I said, and it was funny because I had this one joke that I used to do about kick cereal, where I was like, 
you know, the slogan for kick materials did mother approved once again dads have nothing intelligent to add um it's just like a stupid like throwaway joke but i was like the way i did it i was like you guys all know the slogan for kick cereal right and then they were all just like looking at me and then looking at each other like and i'm like yeah so uh anyway the slogan and so i did the joke the joke bombed whatever i ended my set early because i was getting nothing Mm -hmm. and then my friend my friend uh a very good friend of mine went up right after me and just crushed and Uh he had a joke he had a joke in that set where he was talking about the movie Gremlins mm-hmm. and he was like, you guys all know the three rules of Gremlins, right? It's like, uh, don't get them wet. Don't put them in the daylight. And, and then like the whole audience shouts out, don't feed them after midnight. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was like having a, I was like, just like having a freak out in the back. Like what just happened? Why are they like it was so annoying? And the headliner at that show was like, I don't know why they weren't laughing at you. Your jokes are hilarious. I was like, thank you. <laughs> nice to hear. Uh, wow, weird. And then, well, the the other part of that story is six months later, I got I accepted another booking for that room, and I was like, all right, I've been writing jokes like crazy. I've been stepping up my game. I just had an off night. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. And then I went back. Uh, I got there the first, like the host goes up, the first comic goes up, it's all fine. And then I go up and just bombed <laughs> again. And, and I was like, what? I don't understand. Like, I don't, like, I do not know. I think I, my hunch is that like, it was like kind of like a fancier, richer people audience. Okay. And I think maybe I don't go over as well with them for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I tend to, my, my target, I mean, my best audience tends to be like a young, diverse crowd. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and it's not even like I'm doing like any, like that much social commentary or anything. It's just, it just seems to be like, that's whatever. But uh, yeah, for whatever reason, yeah, I just bombed so hard again. And then, and then in that one, the headliner for that show came up and put his hand on my shoulder and said, Hey man, just keep looking at it. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> so encouraging. You know, I'm like, uh, I'm going to try so hard not to murder anybody. <laughs> Jeez, man. Yeah, man. I mean, it just sounds like freaking grueling to do this, to go out like, you know, four or five nights a week and, and you know, get on and, and make time to write jokes. And then, you know, I assume most comedians still have to have like a, you know, a normal type of job to support themselves, you know, yes. at least for the first few years doing this stuff. So it just is like, I don't know, at least it really kind of makes you appreciate uh stand up and and comedians and what they're doing because it's tough man yeah for sure and and uh, other other comics have said like if you want to know what it what it looks like to work at this because a lot of a lot of times you go to a comedy show you're seeing funny comedians who are doing their best stuff that they know works and you're just seeing like the end results of all that like suffering yes but if you want to see the suffering itself go to an open mic Mm -hmm. and watch watch an open mic and just see how like not much fun it is like yes. <laughs> uh it, it can be like a uh, very interesting experience especially if you're thinking about doing it um you should watch an open i mean the other the upshot of going to an open mic if you're thinking about doing it is you'll watch it and you'll see people even funny people just doing terribly and then you'll be like oh i can do this like <laughs> right i can do terribly <laughs> so like what do you for just like someone like me like a normal person where should we go or like how do we find like a, uh, open mic night or just like kind of maybe just a, a decent, you know, comedy show to go check out. 
Yeah, well, decent comedy shows. Um, let's see. I mean, you can always look on Facebook. There's usually regional Facebook groups, uh, like comedy groups, that will, you know, um, be full of people like posting show flyers and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, decent comedy show. I mean, it's always a crapshoot. <laughs> like, you yeah. try to like, especially if you're gonna check out any bar shows or whatever. It can be a mixed bag. Um, like I can definitely tell you where some of the better shows in Baltimore are. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, like obviously you can look up if there are comedy clubs in your area. And a lot of times comedy clubs will have some kind of open mic night. Um, although for the most part, like open mics tend to happen at like bars and stuff like that. And so there's some websites like, um, I think there's one called open uh, and then one that I don't think it's used as much anymore, but, uh, it was badslava.com. Okay. I think, I think bad B A D S L A V A.com. And then you can check by any city. Um, but, but a lot of the listings are outdated. So like, oh, okay. you know, good to call ahead and see if the mic is still happening. Right. Um, but yeah, once you find any comedian, you can just ask them like, and like, mm-hmm. like, uh, like, just tell me where to go. You know, yeah. Um, yeah uh, for for our area, uh, DCStandup.com has shows for like Maryland, DC, Virginia. Um, a lot of the open mics there are listed. Sometimes there you have to sign up by email ahead of time. It's like a sign up like list, so you just have to get on the email list. Um, but a lot of open mics are just sign up when you get there. Um, and, uh, sometimes they cap the list and bump people and sometimes they don't, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and very different depending on where you go. But, uh, yeah. And sometimes they're mixed open mics with like music and poetry and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you could just go through like, there's, there's plenty of comedy open mics and, yeah, and, and I, I, before I started, I, I went to one just to watch it. Uh, and then I, I assumed that I would be just watching for a few months before I started. I watched it one one night, and then I was like, no, I can do this. And then a week later, I started doing it, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's good to know. So what is like um, – I mean, what, uh, what do you think your future looks like? Like what does your like success or your goal look like for you? Uh, it's an interesting question because I'm in the process of, uh, thinking through that again. I mean, I've, I've definitely thought through it before. Um, but it's sort of evolved a little bit. So, uh, I think that I'm probably going to be doing my podcast for a long time. Uh, unless, you know, it just, I can't imagine like why it would fall apart, but, um, it's, it's been very well received by a lot of people and seems to have fans outside of my own personal community. Um, and it seems to be growing, which is all very exciting. So, um, I'm, I'm, I'm learning about like how to do the Patreon thing. Uh, like I just started that recently and do like bonus content and things. Um, so I think that'll probably be part of it. And then, uh, I am looking to start doing more road comedy, just like travel more, Mm -hmm. Uh, I have, uh, my, my network around the country has gotten a little bigger, so I'm hoping to just start booking shows around and, uh, do more festivals. And then probably within the next year or so, I'm going to relocate to, uh, most likely LA because I love California. Cool. Right? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, although I, some people are like, you got to go to New York. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And New York's going to be underwater and L.A. is going to be on fire all the time. So I don't know. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> things yeah. to consider. Very um, true. Yeah, well, I'm yeah. in L.A. So if you come out here, let me know. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, I love I love being out in L.A. But uh, I actually have a, a much better comedy network in L.A. right now than I do in New York. So. Oh, OK. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I've done shows out there, done festivals out there at uh, Flappers. And uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. Sweet. Cool. And man. then hopefully, yeah, hopefully I can keep on. I'm, I'm trying. One of the big things that a lot of comics do, pretty much every professional comedian transitions. I've been told transitions into doing stand-up full-time by doing the college circuit. Mm. Uh, but it's very competitive and hard to break into. So I have spent a decent amount of money like trying to get into that uh, and uh, so far have not been able to. So it's a, uh, it's a challenge, but I'm, I'm probably going to keep working at that as well. So what's the, what's the process to get into that? Well, uh, you have to, I mean, so obviously you have to work on your act. You have to be re- ready to have like an hour to perform. Um, you want to have a website, a, a bio, headshot, uh, you know, and you got to have a good video. Mm-hmm. And then basically you're submitting to different agencies who are, um, you know, once you find an agency that you can submit to, there are these, uh, there, well, there's this big conference called NACA, which is, I think the national, Associ- um, I'm going to mess this up. National. <laughs> Association of Campus Activities, I think. Uh, But they they put on all these shows, like college events that are not just comedy shows, um, but that's a big part of it. Mm -hmm. And so if you submit through the agency, they they help you with your video like the agency does. You you have to submit a very specific short video. And then it goes through this process of being evaluated. And then it, it goes through a number of rounds. And if it makes it all the way to the end and gets accepted, then you can go perform at a conference. And then based on that, you can get booked to perform at colleges. Oh, okay. uh, but you, but then you can start making good money off of it. I have done one college show and I got, I got paid very nicely for it. Um, and I did an hour and that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I like, I want to do more of that. Um, Cause it would be a nice way to, to make a decent income with comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just like uh, a lot of work, a lot yeah. of work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Well, congrats on, you know, getting where you gotten and so far and, and good luck with everything. It, it's cool to to talk to you and kind of get like a, almost like a behind the scenes look at how this stuff all works. Cause like, you know, I kind of had an idea of it. I'm sure most people kind of, kind of have an idea, but don't really know or understand all the work and like brutal dedication that goes into it. So it, it's cool to hear all that. So I appreciate you coming on and stuff. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. And uh, if anybody wants to look up the stuff that I am making, um, my my Patreon right now is patreon.com slash danhasjokes. Uh, or my web, my regular website is danhasjokes.com. Cool. And yeah. then uh, your podcast is, is called Dan Has Jokes too? Yes. Yeah, I've just been – everything is Dan Has Jokes, right? <laughs> I'm not – my Twitter and Instagram handle, at Dan Has Jokes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like That's for, good, man. Consistent. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, right on. Yeah, I appreciate you being on, and uh, and thanks again. Have a good uh, rest of the day, all right? Thanks so much. You too. All right. Bye.
Hey guys, Travis is here again. Um, so the podcast is over, it's done, so you can just leave right now, so don't worry about it. But I just had a couple things I wanted to mention and say to you guys. So first of all, thanks for listening to the episode or watching the episode, super appreciate that. Um, if you want to connect with me or in, in the podcast, uh, we're on, we have a website, it's called curiosityness.com. Um, curiosityness is C-U-R-I-O-S-I-T-Y-N-E-S-S, kind of weird, um, but that's what it is, curiosityness.com. Uh, you can go there. We have an Instagram, instagram.com slash curiosityness podcast. So not just curiosityness for the username. Uh, I'm on Instagram as Trav DeRose, T-R-A-V-D-E-R-O-S-E, if you want to find just me. Um, oh, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash curiosityness. We're on YouTube. Uh, I think just go to YouTube and search curiosityness and we'll pop up. Uh, I don't think we have a URL for that one. Sorry. Oh, and we have a, I have an email address, Travis at curiosityness.com. So if you want to email me, you know, give me your thoughts on the show, suggestions, tips, uh, maybe like a suggestion for a new, for a guest who could come on, maybe yourself or somebody that you know who might be interested or, or you would like to hear on the podcast. Let me know about that stuff. I, I would love to hear that. Um, Oh, and then if you could leave a review, too, for the podcast, that would be super appreciated. Uh, the reviews in, like, in Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever, wherever you're listening to this, super help. Um, just drop, like, a star, whatever star review. I won't tell you to do five, but it'd be nice. Uh, so drop a review. You can write a review even, too, if you want. That would be even better. Um, but that's about it. So thanks again for watching. I super appreciate you, you know, listening to the whole show and staying here. Um, and yeah, thanks again. Have a good day. Bye-bye.